Spoonful of Paolo, here we go. Hey guys, it's Paolo. So today I am super excited because I am gonna be talking with a dream guest, the one and only Vanessa Williams. Uh-huh, iconic. Okay guys, I'm really excited because you know her career is so legendary. So there's gonna be so much to talk about. See you guys with Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? I am good. I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, you know, thank you for being a guest on A Spoonful of Apollo. I have been manifesting this for years, really, to have you on our web show because, I mean, it goes way back when, I mean, honestly, we, your uh, Barnes & Noble, when you were promoting your book with your mother back in 2013, Barnes & Noble said, hey, you want to do some B-roll, you know, of Vanessa and her mom? And I'm like, B-roll? Well, for, for Vanessa, I'll do it, you know, because I know the time will come when I'll be able to interview her. And then I remember meeting you on the talk one time through Holly Roberts and Pete when I was the assistant on the show. But that moment was so quick because then the producers came to grab you and I didn't even get to like really talk to you. And then the final moment is I remember we used to go to the church, my friends and I in Beverly Hills, a Catholic church. And, you know, they said yeah. that Vanessa would go to that church. Good Shepherd? Yep, Good Shepherd. So every time we do Peace Be With You, I'd be looking like, I don't see her at the 1030 Mass. Where is she? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that, that's how much it means for me for you to be on our web show. So thank you again. Oh, thank you. I didn't realize we had so many connections. I know, but I've been waiting for this moment. So Oprah always says, when you do the work, it's going to come to you. So here we are, you know, like 10 years later. So thank you. Thank you. So um, <laughs> I want to talk, obviously, first about your new, very successful kids book. This is your first one. It's so good, Bubble Kisses. It's beautiful. And I really want every parent out there to know that it comes with a CD. So if they are lazy and they want to read to the kids, you can always put in your beautiful voice and you can sing the book, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, that's that's how it came about. I was given the song probably over 25 years ago by a, a really good friend who um, uh, mom wrote uh, this this great bubble kisses, and it was one of those catchy songs. I said, one of these days when I have a children's album, I'm gonna I'm gonna record it. And then I just never got around to doing a children's album. And all my kids are out of this out, out of the house now. And uh, I was actually dropping off my youngest to college as a freshman, and we were at uh, freshman orientation. And um, one of the other mothers said, listen, I have a publishing company. If you ever think about writing a book, I said, actually, I have an idea. And I told her about bubble kisses that I've had in my head for over 25 years. And we sat down, did the deal. I recorded the, the music. We have an amazing Tara Nicole Whitaker, who is the illustrator, who's just extraordinary Perfect, yes. isn't it beautiful 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 yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know when I, I read about that you had this idea 25 years ago and here it is over here and what i love about it is that this book really is about inclusion it's about fantasy it's about fun it's about dreaming you know and and i know that your father would read you like uh, every as you growing up as a little kid up until you were 13 years old he would read to you every night he would also read to your kids when they were growing up you know, what do you think it would have like meant to you and your kids to have a book like this for your father to read to you guys? Well, those are the times. And I, th I think now we're now that we're in this quarantine position or, or a period, we're spending a lot more quality time with our our family because we there is no escape. But it also allows us to have family meals and play games and discuss things and watch movies together. So this is a, an ideal time to reach your children when you didn't have the time to, and it allows you to bond. You know, not only do you read a story and you can discuss the fantasy and make your 
child's brains be really creative, but it's also a time to connect. I mean, those are the greatest times I remember growing up where my dad was just me and my dad in my room and I could ask him about anything, how I was feeling, why was mommy mad at me? And we would discuss, you know, not only what was happening, but, you know, mom had a really rough life and it's really hard for her to do this. And it allowed me to to really get a chance to bond with my father, but also ask the questions that made my life much simpler as opposed to, uh, you know, those those family dynamics. So it was essential to be able to have that one-on-one time with a parent or grandparent. And I'm so happy that I get a chance to continue what was so important to me to, you know, uh, new, new mothers out there yeah. and parents. Yeah. You know, I wonder, cause you know, you're, this is your second book that you wrote. Um, and I think, you know, obviously you've done so many spectacular things, but how proud do you think your dad would be of you, of, you know, Vanessa, the author, because that's a, I know that would mean a lot. It would have meant a lot to him. He would have loved it uh, uh, because, again, that was completely his wheelhouse. Both my parents were elementary uh, music teachers, so they loved working, you know, uh, ages uh, fifth grade that down to kindergarten. So he would have loved it. He would have been so proud. And and what I love about it is the music, which is ba 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 kiss. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's 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 catchy. It's, it's like the yeah, it's catchy. It's like the Andrew Sisters back in the forties. It's one of those songs that you can hear over and over again, and it seems like a single. Yeah. Uh, like you'd want to you hear it, and it's not you know obnoxious or so simple that it you want to blow your brains out. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I literally look. I have a big Italian family, and I have like six siblings. I have. 15 nieces and nephews. I'm not kidding you. Two weeks ago, I literally sent your book to all my nieces and nephews. And I can't tell you, all my siblings will, will text me and say, this is so beautiful. The kids wouldn't stop. They say, play the CD again, play the CD again. You know, Aww. so it's like, you really, you did it. You, you, you just literally did it and kids are loving it. So thank you for like doing that, you know? Um, well, I appreciate it. Thank you for yeah. the support. It, it's just cool because even like when you think of like all the girls out there, even their hair texture, it's like all these different, like you, it's someone that looks like them. And I think, you know, how you created that and how you thought of it, I think is just genius because you make everyone feel like, you know, not left out. You made them feel like a part of this book. So great job on doing that as well. Well, you know, I grew up, I was born in 1963. So during the 60s, there were not many images of dolls and, you know, wallpaper. And, you know, now kids have everything available to them and also reflections of who they are, their skin color, their hair texture. So it was really important for me to be able to show a young black girl with a, with an Afro puff, mm. which all my kids had growing up. And, and you know, the, the mermaid that Sal, the, the goldfish, turns into is reflective of me, but also it's a different color skin type. But it, again, it's we've got so many different images of, of people in the book that they can kind of relate to. Oh, that looks like me. Oh, that looks like my mom. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see those beautiful mermaids again. Genius. You know, you said when you were born in 1963, I remember reading a story about you that, you know, yeah, there were no black dolls when you were born. But then there was a doll, I think your parents found you, from a doll from Sweden. And I think her name was Sasha. And I'm like, do you remember that moment of when your parents gave you that doll? And also, what did it mean for you to have your parents find you a doll that, that looks like you, you know? Well, actually, my best friend, I was in second grade, Tony was in third grade, and I went to her house for a play date. And she's the one that had the first Sasha doll. And I was like, what is this? And then I told my parents, I said, I really want a doll like this. And they spoke to Tony's parents. And that's how we got the doll. And it was made in Sweden. 
beautifully made, but that was the only thing on the market at the time. We were talking late 60s right now, Gosh. late early 70s. So again, times have changed so much. We are in, I, I know there's a tremendous amount of turmoil, which I, my heart has been, uh, you know, feeling for everybody like we all have, but we have to realize what strides we've made already within the last 50 years or so. You know, when I was first uh, crowned Miss America, I was 20 years old. It was 1983. I thought, oh, we're in a place where everybody is is uh, open-minded and there's, you know, no racism because I was in my little bubble and I had a rude awakening when I had death threats because I was black. There were sharpshooters in the top of buildings when I was doing my parade because I was black and a symbol. And the hate that came in 1983 where I thought, okay, we're progressive. And then cut to Barack Obama when he's the first black. And again, you know, we think that we're in a great place and then all this stuff arises. So it's a constant awakening to see the discord and the ignorance of, of people and intolerance. But we have so much inclusion now. And we have to keep fighting, which is our mission. Yeah. I didn't even know about the death threats that you were getting until I read the book that you wrote with your mother. Because that is, I mean, I remember a story that you were saying that either there were, you were in third grade and these two kids called you the N-word then. I think it was on the school bus or something. Mm -hmm. But you still remember yeah. that because that's, that's what people need to understand. Like, yes, it happened when you were in third grade. But that was something that was so painful and hurtful that people have to understand, we need to change this culture. We need to do a shift over because this, we cannot go on like this forever, you know? Yeah. And I and blame it on the parents. Yes. You know, they, they hear it from somewhere and they're brave enough to say it because it's been said around their house. So it's up to parents to not be ignorant and move out of your little bubble and ask questions. And it's all about fear. Ooh, well if you don't know something, you're fearful. So lend the helping hand and open up your life and you can make some amazing connections. Yeah, you know, the, the, the death of George Floyd, I know you said this many times, you say like, how can you not take an action or change when you see someone like literally die right in front of your eyes, you know? And you've also, you said, and I love this, it's so beautiful. You say, if you can make a change, that's the most significant thing because anger is necessary, but moving it through with action makes you feel much better. And I know a week after you got a call from um, Black um, Theater United and it, they wanted you to be part of it. Um, can you tell us about that? Well, actually we, we created it. I got a call from Audrey McDonald. Who's so cool. I think she's six or eight time. Uh, yeah, hello. I, 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 I <laughs> oh forget God. the numbers, but Audra, LaShawns, uh, and we, um, and Brian Sokes Mitchell, Norm Lewis, all these people that we've worked together. And we were all in a state of uh, paralysis. We didn't, we were so full of rage, but wanted to turn the rage and, and just being stunned into action. And so what can we do as black uh, Broadway performers who have a platform? And that's when we came up with, figuring out the name, Black Theater United. Okay, we are united as Black performers, but also we have Black directors, we have uh, Black female um, uh, sound designers and stage management and all kinds of different components within our, our group. And then we started a platform. So Stacey Abrams and, and Dr. Janine Abrams McLean were just on our town hall, which we've had two already. One was with Sherilyn Eiffel talking about the law. The other one was uh, with with uh, Stacy and Janine talking about fair count and fair fight, which is about signing up for the for the census and also making sure that you're you're registered to vote and that it's a fair vote, a fair um, a fair fight in the voting. 
uh, and it was all uh, educational. So we are, um, we've got a, a big voice that we can actually highlight a lot of things and empower us. Yes. And our next, uh, we've got a next uh, summit uh, that we're going to be working on about the, um, the systematic uh, issues that we have within the theater uh, community and how we can work on that. So it's, empowerment is fantastic and it's great to be able to use that fire in your belly toward education and and learning it's so important education it is so important i know there's more information at blacktheaterunited.com um check it out make a donation if you can anyone out there because i know how much it would mean to you and everyone else who represents that um i want to go with the dedication in bubble kisses book because you say in the book you say this book is for all the children who dare to dream. Were you a big dreamer as a little girl? Like, w did you have any dreams or? I still dream. I dream oh. all the time. And um, I used to have a, uh, which I, I said in my book, I used to have a poster on my wall. There was two roosters, one that has the regular comb and one that has an actual hair comb on top. Yeah. And it says dare to be different. So I always felt like, okay, I'm myself. And I don't have to be like everybody else to feel good about myself. So I was always, you know, I don't want to say an outsider, but I was always allowing what my vision was and what my voice was to speak for itself. Mm. And that's, you know, to be, to grow up and, and as a mother of four, uh, that was, that's always kind of my mantra. Like, who cares about everyone else? How do you feel? And what do you think is the most important? If that's important to you, then that's what you should do. If, that, if that's what you want to wear and you feel confident in that, that's what you need to wear. And I was lucky enough to have parents that supported me when I said I wanted to go into musical theater because I had danced and I sang and I acted and I said, I can major in this in college? Really? Okay. <laughs> and my parents didn't say, ah, no, you know, get a real job. They said, if you really work hard and you really are committed to this, we will support you. And they did. And there's so many people in this industry who are very famous, who have achieved a tremendous amount but have a chip on their shoulder because they never had the support from their parents or the people around them that said, go for it. We believe in you. It's like, ah, you're wasting your time. Oh, the arts. What are you kidding? Get a real job. And those are the people that are never, no matter how many accolades they have, they're never really happy. Yeah, your parents did a phenomenal job in raising you. And I love when I was reading that, that your parents always supported you. They never said, why don't you be an accountant? Why don't you, you know, work at a bank? But they they knew this was your passion and your heart and they believed in you. And this is why where you are today because of their support and their love for you. So yeah, really amazing. You said about you, you're still a dreamer today. What's your biggest dream today? Like right now, would you say? I'm just curious. Like what's Vanessa Williams' biggest dream right now, would you say, in this moment? Um, my biggest dream now is making projects happen. Uh, I mean, I'm 57 now and I've, you know, been in a lot of things that, you know, get the call from the Asian, they want you for this, that. So I've been plugged into other people's, which is fantastic because that's what you do as an actor. Yeah. People call you because they know that you can nail this role. But now I've got uh, a, a group of, uh, of uh, uh, scripts and ideas and music that I can actually make make things happen, whether it's putting together, this is the director I want, this is the writer that I want, this is the idea. Uh, I just finished putting together a, um, a concert that we're going to be doing in the end of August uh, for the Kennedy Center with um, Renee uh, Fleming, the, the, the famous opera singer, because we have a mutual friend and we would always talk and, and uh, she was like, we should do something together. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then COVID happened and, and like now is the time and we've 
culminated a phenomenal show that we are still working on on a weekly basis to make sure that it's accurate and riveting and and feels great and we have to social distance and all this stuff but we'll make our way back to the stage eventually and it's because we we're creating together so that's the best thing about this period of, of being in isolation dreaming is all that i do yes. and i've got a, a a legal pad with me at all times and always writing down ideas and always zooming uh, but things are happening because you've got the time to be creative and discuss things. Yeah, because we're usually on a, we have our to-do list, A, B, C, D, but now you're, like you said, we're home. So it's like you can put more thought and consideration and what do you really want to do? It's so great. You spoke about your voice and, you know, we, we're going to talk about your voice because literally your voice is a gift from God because you, I mean, honestly, like, you, I don't know. I know your first album came out in like 1988 and I was telling my husband, Patrick, your voice it reminds me of Celine Dion because your voice is the same. I don't know what you do to take care of your voice. I don't know if you drink tea every night. I don't know if you just whisper to your husband in the nighttime. Like I don't know what you do, but it sounds just as magical and beautiful as when we, you released your first album. Do you take care of your vocal? Like, what do you do? It's about taking care of your instrument. This is it. And it's like a muscle. It needs to be exercised, but it also needs to be taken care of. So, you know, I don't drink. I, I, I drink. I don't smoke. I'm not screaming. Uh, even when I sing, I, I have my limits and, and make sure that I'm singing properly. And that has to do with, again, having an education in voice. So you know how to breathe properly. You know how to project properly. You know how to, to not injure your voice because once it's injured, then you have issues with, I mean, poor, you know, Julie Andrews had surgery and never was the same again. You know, uh, so it's it's a delicate thing and you have to take care of it. So don't abuse it. And, and but learn how to do it properly because education again is key. If you know how to sing properly, it helps you maintain your voice and you won't abuse it. Gosh, literally, and this is not a joke. Right before my husband and I came on here, we have it on our music channel, on our TV. And I'm not joking. I even recorded it, so I'm going to put it in story later on. Your song "Save the Best for Last" came on our the music channel on our TV. Now I'm like, I don't know if Vanessa's like watching us or like what she's doing because it's not on, we're not on Zoom yet. But it was just so I don't know. I feel like it's a sign from God. Like He knows how long I've waited for this, and it was just just uh, hearing that song. You can never get tired of it. Like I know you sang it again from your home at the, for the Lincoln Center. It was a memorial, and people should go you, find you on YouTube because just. You, you sang it at home, you had the mic, and it was just, I don't know, it was just magical. It's just so, ah, do, you, do you see it? I mean, are you proud of yourself with this music that you keep putting out to the world? You have to be proud of yourself. I mean, even like Colors of the Wind, like even that song, it really, if people can go back and listen to the lyrics and what it means and what we're dealing with today, it's just perfect, perfect. So you have to be proud of yourself for this music you're putting out to the world. I've been really lucky to be able to have gotten songs that came to me because they knew what my gift is. Mm. You know, uh, there are tons of people that can do all kinds of vocal acrobatics and riff their asses off and all that <laughs> kind of stuff and scream and belt, which is fantastic. And those are their gifts. I find that I turn more to storytelling. That's really kind of my thing. I don't know whether it's because of my acting background, because when you're doing a show as a character, you have to set the scene and move the character along in the scene and tell the audience what's going on with the character. And I think when I get behind the mic, even when it's pop music, if there is a story that needs to be told, um, I can get behind the mic and tell that story. And when people listen, they go, oh my God, 
I felt the same way when this person broke up with me. Oh my God. And then we got back together and we're saving the best for last. That's my wedding song because I can connect with the feeling and the moment before and the moment after. And I think that's really my gift. So I've been really lucky to be able to be given these songs to sing and uh, they have longevity. Oh, thank you. When you're a guest on the talk, because I'm friends with a lot of the producers, they always post clips of you singing the song during commercial break. And I, it's just, <laughs> no, it's like one of the coolest things. I'm always like, oh, why can I be like in LA and during, in the audience at the time? Because this is not fair. Like I've been trying really hard. So it's just, people love you, Vanessa. That That's Cheryl. Cheryl's like, girl, get her, get her the mic. Girl, get her the mic. And, and then they, they, they the booth starts playing right stuff or running back to you or, you know, work to do. And then she, she loves it. That's oh my right. God. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> you know, the, the, one of the things I love you so much is that you've always been an ally of the LGBTQ plus community. You, I know your mom had gay friends growing up. I know that it was always very welcoming in your home. You guys were always for it. What is it you think for you that always like draws you to the LGBTQ plus community? Cause you're, we feel the connection with you and that's why you're so loved by our, you know, my, you know, brothers and sisters. What do you think it is that draws you to them? I think, I think first of all, it is uh, feeling like an outsider as a woman of color uh, when you're the minority. Um, that's part of, you know, you're an outsider in a lot of positions when you are, um, part of the LGBTQ plus community, you feel like an outsider because uh, you are a minority. So that's a definitely a strong bond, knowing the struggles, knowing, trying always to fit in, being rejected because of who you are, which you can't change. Um, so those are the common uh, and parallel, I think, issues that we grow up with together. Mm. Uh, but, and also being in the arts, I mean, um, you know, my, again, my, Tony, my parents were in, in music, but being in the arts and as our workforce, we are all, uh, together, uh, as in terms of the LGBTQ, um, community within the arts, Broadway and television and film and, uh, uh, and writing and all that stuff. So it's been, um, like simpatico. It, it's, we feel the same and we've gone through similar struggles and, um, that's that's where the root of it is, I think. I agree 100%. I just have to say, Vanessa, like one of the best gifts you gave to the gay community is your role in Ugly Betty, Wilhelmina Slater. <laughs> where do you think she's doing during this pandemic right now? You, I mean, do you think she's getting Botox still? Do you think she's like listening to like, you know, the CDC rules? Like, do you think she's just out there shopping? Like, what do you think she's doing right now? If you could, if you can write that script. She would be in her fabulous penthouse. And uh, I'm sure Mark would have had everybody come up all equipped to give her her Botox. She's not missing out on that. And she would have the best of, best of food and wine delivered to her in a very uh, clean manner because she would not want to get, uh, get COVID at all. But she'd be, she'd, 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 uh, I think she'd quarantine fabulously in her penthouse with Mark at her <laughs> Yeah, right by her side. I agree. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, okay, to end with this, you know, I've been asking everyone, Rosie O'Donnell, um, all our guests lately, Lonnie Love, you know, if you can just tell the viewers, what, why is it going to be so important to get out there and vote on November 3rd? Because I, I feel like everyone else, this is going to be one of the biggest elections. And I encourage everyone who's out there, use your voice. People fought for us to get out there and, and, and vote. So what is it you think? Tell them, why should they get out there and vote on November 3rd? Well, the important thing beyond November 3rd, yes, November 3rd is critical 
but also it's at the local level. So it's not one and done like, oh, we've got somebody in and I don't have to do anything for four years. It's going to magically, everything's going to fix itself. You've got to vote every opportunity. So whether there's a new judge up, you need to vote to figure out what the record is and figure out whether you're aligned with this particular, because they're the ones that will make the laws on a local level. You have to make sure that you are in line with your, your school board. Uh, because they're the ones that will make sure that there are, are, are teachers of color, that um, there is enough funding for the arts. Uh, so I think a lot of people are just focused on every four years, vote for your president. That's not it. That's that's one of a giant picture. You have to be diligent. And, and it's also, you know, a lot of us didn't know that. Yes. So I think that this time period has really allowed people to see what's wrong fight for action, but also continue that on a, on a, on a level uh, which is consistent, vote for every opportunity that you can, because your voice, it changes everything. Law enforcement, um, uh, the, the, the criminal justice system, all those things have to do with who's in office on every level, local, state, and federal. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think what we have right now in the current office, I think people are awakening and like, wait a second, I think this is really affecting me right now. And I think I really have to get out there and vote for your congressman, vote for your, your state local people, because that's where the change happens. Yes, we have that in the, the White House, but you know, there's so many people below that that can really change your life. So well said, Vanessa. Um, in honor of your book, our show, I would like to tell you, we are gonna be donating 30 copies, 30 copies of Bubble Kisses to Books First Chicago, which creates libraries in every Chicago public school with 15% of more kids who are experiencing homelessness um, or have no library in school. So in honor of our web show, we want every kid out there to read your book. So we're gonna be donating 30 copies right after this interview because I'm so proud of you. Like I, oh, I thank you so so much. You're welcome. You really do. Like I, I like you know. I want everyone who's watching this interview to be inspired by your work, by this interview, because you really are. You, you're just you're just an amazing person. And every time I see you on TV or doing an interview, you really are just a beautiful person inside and out. And I thank you for sharing your gift you. with all of us. You know, so really. Oh, thank you, Paolo. You're fantastic, oh. and. Uh, Thank you. I'm gonna all cry emotionally. Thank you. Thank you. How about this? Can you and just you can just sing one line if you're save the best for last if you want to. Just like one line for me because I've always dreamed of this. So if you want to just sing like the chorus or just not even if you don't even have to if you don't want to. But if you want to sing just one line or two lines, I would be and I would be honored actually. Sometimes the snow comes down in June. Sometimes the sun goes round the moon. Just when I thought a chance had passed, you go and say the best for last. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. My husband's crying on the side. Okay. <laughs> Listen to me. Thank you so much. Nah, I want everyone out welcome. there literally to get your book at a local bookstore on Amazon. Get it. Vanessa, I, I commend you. I love you. And much love to your entire family and your mom, who I know lives next to you. Give her a big hug yeah. for me, okay? <laughs> Love to you, too. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Bye, Vanessa. Bye. Have a great day. You, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Oh, my God. Thanks for joining me today on the A Spoonful Apollo podcast. For tons more interviews or the video version of this episode, visit our website, aspoonfulapollo.com, or our YouTube channel. 
I'm Paolo Presta, and I hope you always remember to dream big. Dream big. Spoonful of Paolo. <laughs>